Oh, God is so good. There are so many of us who've been praying for many years, days for miracles. And many of us in this room have received those miracles. And yet there are still so many others. We are still waiting, expecting for those miracles to happen. Oh, as you pray, we will pray with you. And as we pray, will you pray with us? And we will see the miracles begin to happen. Will you pray with me? Loving God, it is with great thanksgiving to be in one accord with one another, not just to worship you, God, but to worship you with one another. We give thanks that in this hour our eyes are opened, our ears are opened. May we hear what you would have us hear. May we see, may we see what you would have us see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. find Bugs Bunny attractive when he'd put on a dress and play a girl bunny? No. <laughs> no. Neither did I. I was just asking. Oh, always a bridesmaid, but never a bride. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we all remember a Bugs Bunny from our younger days, right? Bugs Bunny was the greatest, this playful rabbit that just epitomized what a good old wholesome cartoon should be like. Didn't we love him when he put on a dress and played a girl bunny? And he looked so natural at it. You see, we usually have a certain image of Bugs Bunny that even the most conservative religious folks can agree with. But then, when we are shown clips like the ones we just saw, we are forced to rethink and even change our perception of Bugs Bunny and say, wait a minute, all that drag and playing the role of the gayest beautician in 1946? 1946, that is a miracle all in itself. 
Sometimes a change in perception is all that is needed in order to see what we have not seen before. Sometimes a change in perception opens up the door for possibilities to happen. And sometimes a change in perception is a miracle all in itself. And that's just the kind of miracle that many of us need today. In Jesus' day, there were many folks who were needing a miracle. In our gospel reading this morning, Jesus and his disciples, they encounter a large crowd in the city of Jericho. And as they pass through the city, they come across a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Now, Bartimaeus is sitting on the roadway, on the side of the roadway, with a story many of us are far too familiar with. Bartimaeus has been praying for years, waiting for God to change things in his life. Folks have been telling him for years, Bartimaeus, if you will only pray and just wait, you'll get your miracle. And so day after day and month after month, year after year, Bartimaeus waits. For him, though, waiting isn't so easy. Oh, no. Who knows how many years he has been blind. We don't know if he's been blind from birth or if he lost his sight over the years. But in any case, we do know quite a bit about the effect blindness has had on him. All throughout the Bible, you see it. People who were blind were considered to be ritually impure, not even able to come into the temple to worship God. Can you imagine not being allowed to come into a house of worship because you are supposedly unclean? In the Hebrew Bible, the blind were disqualified from the priesthood. Even if people brought sacrifices, you could not bring blind animals. They were simply unfit. Blindness meant you were weak. You were helpless. You were unable to meet one's needs. Oh, but even more, blindness was associated with wickedness. The prevailing thought of the day was that you were blind because either you sinned or your parents sinned. Either way, you brought it upon yourself. Now imagine that. After Bartimaeus prayed and waited on God and waited for something to change in his life, what did all the religious folks tell him? Oh, that's why you haven't received your miracle, Bartimaeus. It's because you've sinned. That's why you haven't received your miracle, Bartimaeus, because you're living a lifestyle of sin. Sound familiar? Have you ever been accused of living in sin and been told, oh, that's why you haven't received your miracle? How many Christians, how many priests and ministers have told you, just pointing their finger, if you would just stop living that sinful lifestyle? Imagine hearing that for years, on and on and on. Imagine Bartimaeus hearing it at home. He hears it among friends. He hears it among religious folks. He cannot go anywhere without people blaming and shaming him. And then after a while, he doesn't care anymore. As people quit caring about him, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, quits caring about himself. Now, Timaeus is a Greek name meaning valuable. And so Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, means Bartimaeus, child of sacred value. You see, Bartimaeus was born with sacred value, but now he's lost sight of any notion of God within him. He's lost sight of that truth, and he doesn't care about himself anymore. He's resigned himself to begging for alms for the rest of his life, asking for money on the side of the road. Bartimaeus, he needs a miracle. And there are so many of us today who are in need of a miracle. And yet we wait on God to change things, do we not? We flood the prayer wall and the connection boxes at the entrances with our prayer requests. And thank God we do. But we pray for a miracle to happen, waiting on God to change things. Do you ever get tired of waiting? 
Do you ever get tired of sitting on the side of the road and waiting for the next best thing to come by? Well, Bartimaeus, he gets tired of it. And as he receives word that Jesus of Nazareth, this healer, has come to town, he jumps up. Maybe it's the, the divine in him recognizing the divine in Jesus. But whatever it is, something bubbles up on the inside of him. He gets excited. He gets hopeful. He gets expectant. Maybe this peasant Jesus from Galilee can do something for him. Jesus, he shouts, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy, have pity. And he gets so loud that the folks around him tell him to hush up. I can almost hear my mother in the crowd. Maybe you can hear yours too. Shh, be quiet. You don't be talking like that. You can't talk like that to Jesus. What's wrong with you? Have you lost your mind? Oh, you see, people wanted to keep Bartimaeus quiet. See, they're used to seeing him powerless and helpless. Oh, but this day you cannot keep Bartimaeus quiet. Jesus, have mercy, he says. And Jesus hears him and stops. He tells the folks to bring him over. And the same folks who were telling Bartimaeus to hush up a minute ago, now they're singing a different tune. Bartimaeus, what are you doing still sitting down? Let's go. Jesus is calling you. He's calling you. Get up. Come on. And notice what Bartimaeus does. He throws off his cloak. His cloak his outer garment that covered him. Bartimaeus has been used to giving up on life, but now he's finally given up on the cloak. You see, his cloak didn't just cover him, but it symbolized the shame he had within. The cloak represented his fears that his life would always be miserable. His cloak represented the lies that people told him that he was being punished by God, that he couldn't receive a miracle from God because he was unworthy of such a miracle. In his cloak was his own negative thought pattern that told him that he would always be weak and powerless, that he would always be a troubled, poor, and ignorant beggar, that he would never be able to view himself as a person with sacred value. Oh, Bartimaeus is tired of those thoughts. He's tired of those perceptions. He's tired of those beliefs and fears, and he's tired of the cloak which has hindered him all these years. And he throws it. He gives it up. And it's a change in how Bartimaeus sees himself and his circumstances. You see, with a simple change in perception, he begins already, already to experience his miracle. People of God, this is the first step in expecting your miracle. We aren't being asked to give up on life or even give up on God, but we are asked to give up those thoughts, those beliefs, those perceptions, and those fears that hold us back for far too many years. As Robert Holden says, there can be no miracles while you're still holding on to the past, to the old stuff. When you give up that cloak, you can put your mind in God's hands, and all of a sudden, cynicism can begin to make way for hope. Worry can begin to make way for inspiration. Disappointment can begin to make way for adventure, and the old can begin to make way for something that is totally new and totally better. This is how miracles happen this is how Bartimaeus' miracle begins to happen. Oh, but sometimes that cloak is so hard to give up, is it not? Once we come set in viewing life in a certain way, in our ideas about God, ourselves, and one another, we get so used to be under that cloak that we can never see beyond it. We experience it all the time, do we not? I experience it. So many people have a hard time dealing with myself, an ordained clergy person in his 20s. I don't know how many times I've been called to do a funeral service and the director will tell me over the phone, oh, thank you, Reverend. It's such a miracle that we found you and that you're able to come and do this service tomorrow. 
And then when next day comes around, I show up at the funeral home, and I'm standing around, and finally I'll say, well, are y'all ready, ready to get started? And the funeral director looks at me and says, well, we'll get started as soon as the minister gets here. <laughs> I'm here. It's me. Well, you don't look like a minister. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes the miracle is right in front of your face. If you can see it, that can change everything. Oh, but so many of us are unable to see beyond our fears. We're unable to see beyond our misunderstandings. We're unable to see beyond those pains. We create expectations in our lives with the cloak in mind, do we not? Forget about planning to be truly free from our past. Oh, no, we instead, we plan to live forever under that cloak, allowing our past to define our present and our future. If we could just change our perception and get rid of that cloak to throw it off us, that would be the first big miracle that could lead on to so many others. When I was working with hotel workers a few years back as a labor organizer, I came across a cook named Jose. Now, Jose was a very conservative Christian. And when I say conservative, I mean a very conservative Christian. He and I would always get into theological debates. And of course, I'd challenge him on his social views and his image of Jesus. We'd go back and forth. Well, Jose had a big issue with same-gender loving people. He, of course, had other names for us, as most religious folks do. And another worker, Michelle, she didn't care too much for Jose because of his homophobic leanings. She, of course, was same-gender loving. And Jose made it very clear to her that he didn't agree with her lifestyle. He didn't want to talk to her. He didn't want to be in the same room with her. Well, one day, Jose called me really angry on the phone. I mean, angrier than a uh, wet hornet. I told him to calm down. What happened? And he said, I can't help it, Mike. I can't help it. Chef came in this morning calling all of us cooks slaves and calling us his brown doggies. And I said, he did what? I was incredulous at first. The mere thought of someone saying such a vile thing irked me, and it irked Jose. So I picked up the phone and called a few folks. I even called Michelle and told her, Michelle, you would not believe what Chef told those cooks this morning. And after telling her the situation, sister was mobilized. She said, after all these cooks do, they already work late with no overtime pay, all the stuff they go through, and now they're being called racist names on the job. Here's what we're going to do, she said. Tomorrow morning, we are going to march with those cooks up to the GM's office, and we're going to demand some answers and demand justice. And sure enough, that next morning, front desk associates, housekeepers, servers, they all made their way up to the GM's office in solidarity, holding hands with the cooks. But Michelle, Michelle, she was holding hands with Jose. I don't know what it was, but something happened that day. All of a sudden, Jose and Michelle began to talk more. They began to hang out more. They were no longer avoiding each other. They became very close, almost best friends. You see, he had a change in perception. He started talking about same gender loving people as children of God, as people with sacred value. And the miracle for him was that he laid down his cloak of ignorance and exclusion. And that miracle created opportunities for other miracles to happen in his life, in Michelle's life, and for all those workers at that hotel. People of God, it is amazing what a change in perception can do. My grandfather, God bless him, he passed away last year. He grew up in a small South Texas town called Taft, Texas, just outside of Corpus Christi. Now, Taft has had a history of racial tension, and it was a segregated town when my grandfather was growing up there. 
On one side of the railroad tracks, all the white folks lived. On the other side of the railroad tracks, all the Latinos lived. And growing up in this oppressive environment, there was always this mistrust that my grandfather had of white folks. He was always dealing with it. Well, I remember in high school, I was dating a cheerleader who happened to be white, and I brought her home one day. Well, after hanging out for a short while, she left, and my grandfather, he fiercely came up and told me, Maquito, that's what he called me, Maquito, you cannot trust him. Don't you ever bring another white girl back to this house. And I thought, oh, no, 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 I've got to pray for this man. God, we need a miracle. Help him, God, help him, God, help him. And then years later, I prayed for my grandfather. I believed and expected a miracle. And when I returned to my grandfather's house, instead of a white girl, I brought a white boy home. And wouldn't you know it, just like that, race was no longer an issue for him. It was a miracle. All of a sudden, he had a change in perception. You see, a change in perception. The miracle for my grandfather was that he began to see that day possibilities for my family like he never saw before. This man's man, this macho macho, this Chicano from South Texas, his vision grew. He was able to see people, and especially me, in a whole new and inclusive way. And from that day forward, he made sure to always ask about my partner. Even on his deathbed, my last few moments with him before he passed, we spent the time talking about my partner. It's a miracle what a simple change in perception can do for us. As Bartimaeus gives up his cloak and he begins to change his perception, Jesus notices that Bartimaeus has already taken that first step. You see it? You can see it in the text. That's why Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? You've already begun to receive your miracle. You're already doing it. Oh, but my teacher, Bartimaeus says, I want to be whole. I want my life back, my dependency to end. I want to see again. Then do it, Jesus responds. Go, continue on what you're doing. You've already started. Your faith has made you well. Your faith is making you well. And immediately, Bartimaeus is able to see like he's never seen before. Because he threw off his cloak, the lies that were told to him, the unhealthy habits and the internalized fears, that simple change in perception, the miracle of expanding his, his views and what he sees, not just figuratively and spiritually, but that miracle made way for the miracle of his being able to see literally. How many of us need to see again? We need to see the light of God and again in our lives. We pray, and yes, we wait on God, but be careful. Be careful. Wait on God, but be careful that God is not waiting on you. Waiting on you to expand your vision. Waiting on you to see your life circumstances in a totally brand new way. And so, people of God, instead of letting our fears haunt us, let's awaken faith in our lives and change our perceptions of what's going on and see not what hinders us, but what enables us. Let's not be afraid of some good news in our lives. In fact, let's expect miracles on a daily basis. In every circumstance, no matter how bad it seems to get, will you expect miracles to come your way? No matter how painful the case may be, will you look for the miraculous opportunities in front of you? 
And will you not only expect miracles, but will you participate in creating miracles for all those who need them, especially yourself? My friends, God is still in the miracle business. But just as we experienced with Bartimaeus and even with a rabbit named Bugs Bunny, the first step for us is to see more than we've ever seen before. Say this after me. I am expanding my vision. I expect miracles in my life. I create miracles in my life. Amen.